Go on, mate. You can take it off now. Take the blindfold off. What? What are we doing here? Well, we're going on a trip, mate. We're uh, we're not going to be going online with our interviews anymore. We we need to substantially increase our costs, so we're going to be flying around the world. How are we going to do that? We're going to get on the plane. Are we both going to fit that wheel well? Oh, it's going to be a lot cooler than that, mate. Hope you brought a jacket. Listening to the reverse stick, the global hockey podcast. <laughs> oh, when are we getting uh, service? I'm not sure we're going to get any service. I'm a bit worried about the service this monkey in the crate might give me, though. Um, it's show 87 of the reverse stick, the global hockey podcast. It's uh, part of our world tour. Yeah, we're going. We're going on a trip. Uh, 87, John. You know why that's significant. No. Oh, 1887, the Molesley Ladies Hockey Club performed the very first uh, women's hockey team. I know what, minus 87 would be. Not far off the point. News. And uh, we will return to Earth just uh, briefly. It's warmed up now. We've got going a bit. It has. Let's uh, let's get to some of the news. What is news? Well, no results to speak of in the last weekend, unless you're looking for some um, pro league results. In which case, you should turn to totally pro league this week. Grant Schubert's on the program. Uh, plenty of uh, pro league action to get through there as well. Last games here in Australia. I did. I, I was Nostradamus on the shootout from Spain, yeah. Germany the other night. Called that nice and early. You, uh, you and. By my own admission, you called that before Spain had come back yep. in any way, shape, or form. Could see it coming. Could see it coming. Uh, slightly disappointing with that one, though, John. Why? Well, there was a bully. Uh, all, right, all right, not the, the type of bully naturally that, that we want, but there was a bully, and the cameraman was nowhere bloody near it. Come on, hashtag bring back the bully. Bring back F-I-H, the bully. are you listening? Hashtag F-I-H, are listening? Maybe not. Uh, but Spain escape again. You can catch up with all of that action with Totally Pro League. Another great, another great Totally Pro League. It's out there, show number six. But there are some things coming up very shortly. Uh, we've got the Hong Kong Triangular. I've got results. Oh, what? I've results? got it on the phone. Uh, Tradies Cup Canberra Vets. That's the Australian capital territory. Oh, okay. Uh, Divi, Divi 1. Canberra Gold beat Wagga 3 0. It's actually Wagga Wagga. So good they named it twice. Yep. John. And Division 2. Like Mac- Woi Sorry? Like Woi Woi. Why? 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 You're absolutely white. <laughs> uh, MacArthur beat Barton nil nil. Win. Oh, another result. Uh, win. No, <laughs> uh, it's from a retweet from Anton Loggies. Uh, we'll, get, we'll come to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that a bit later on. Uh, but th- that was a win on ladder order. So that makes perfect sense in this current hockey climate. Uh, MacArthur beat Barton nil nil. Okay. Uh, I wonder how many percentage points they get for that. Look, there has been lots of hockey going on all around the place too. It's getting to the pointy end of the European season. The Euro finals aren't far away. Lots of uh, club hockey is winding up in in England and across the globe. Um, yeah, good luck if you're in the finals. Good luck if it's a, a promotion relegation battle that these last game or game or two uh, hinge on. Well, well, Andy Golding, a recent uh, interviewee here for the TRS World Eleven. Um, He's looking at a championship victory 
I believe. Well, and just hang on for our latest TRS World 11 interview coming up with Hannah Bilson, HB Pencil from the Wapping Hockey Club. Uh, she's dealing with things at the other end of the ladder, but yeah. much more to come on that later Should in the show. But get back to what we strictly call news. There yes. are some things coming up. Um, the Hong Kong Triangular, as opposed to Triangular, uh, is on from um, the 22nd and the 24th of next m- of this month. Uh, Hong Kong, China, ranked 45th. Chinese Taipei 48th and Thailand 47th. So a nice little tightly contested tournament. You'd think it's for both men and women, and uh, that's on our time uh, in our time zone. And the games are on at 12.30, 2.30, 4.30 and 6.30. Have we got streaming? We don't know, but that's perfect for us. <laughs> what it is. Look, if, if we haven't got streaming, then uh, I believe Teo McLeod might be on the ground there again. He's, he's on the other side of the border in China at the moment, but he's hopping over to Hong Kong quite frequently. So hopefully, in the next week or two, we might give you some, we, some, some, uh, yeah, some news some and interviews and bits and pieces from there. Or at least a, a bit of a look at the tournament. Um, also that's happening something happening in the Perth time uh-huh. it's coming up from the 26th to the 4th of not, May not all about you John FIH ser- series final in Kuala Lumpur uh, Austria 19 Belarus 31 Canada 10 Wales 24 and Brazil 27 China 14 Italy 32 Malaysia 13 so that's going to be another tightly contested tournament but the big one coming up it will, well first from the 23rd to the 30th of March the Sultan Aslan Shah Cup. Just three days from now, as we record. It is. It's involving India at ranked five, Japan 18, Canada 10, Korea 17, Malaysia 13, and Poland 21. And as we've seen from the last two World Cups, this is a men's tournament, of course. The um, the last two World Cups, though, for both men and women, have been. Uh, well, we've seen people come from lower rank, far lower ranks, to take on teams above them, and there's no reason to believe that won't be a very hotly contested tournament. Bit of debate online. At, bit of debate online at the moment about whether yes, we can we get to see it. There's uh, Astro Sport of the local broadcasters. It will be available in Malaysia, um, not currently available elsewhere, from what we can tell. Star Sports don't have any rights for it, uh, so it won't be. Well, it doesn't um, appear anybody has. So as yet, the call out is Astro FIH. Give each other a call. If you haven't got phone numbers, we can we can sort that out for you. What about uh, the idea of pay per view if Astro made it available? through their website or through whatever their streaming service because I'm sure they have a streaming service of some Oh, they do, they do, yeah. yeah, yeah. What about a pay-per-view idea? What do you think of that? Uh, Would you pay 20 bucks to watch the tournament? Let's say it's it's a niche tournament. Um, Would you pay 20 bucks to watch it, to have access to watch any of the games on there? I mean, India-Japan should be a pretty good game. Canada, a very improving team, as are Poland. They're coming hard and strong. I mean, there's, there's games there that could be interesting. And for us, that's in our time zone, smack bang in the middle of it. So four o'clock, six o'clock, eight o'clock games. Well, you, you've got to ask though, John. It's, you say, yeah, would would I pay to pay to view it? I probably wouldn't pay twenty bucks for it. I might okay. pay ta- I might pay ten bucks for it personally. Yeah. Um, are they going to get a greater revenue from the people that really want to get their eyes on this than they would do from it being available free and worldwide, and the potential av- advertising revenue from eyes of hockey fans that? could take it or leave it. Yeah, but you've got to think of it from their perspective as well. Well, no, but they geo-block it at home. You know, it's, it's being filmed for the home market anyway. Yeah. Um, it's speculative if they if they think that they're going to raise revenue from participating countries. Uh, so, yeah, why not control it or run it through FIH.live uh, with an advertising structure around it um, and get more eyes on it. Hashtag. Grow the game. 
Okay. Um, but that's all happening um, in the next couple of weeks as far as international hockey goes. Uh, there's also been there's a couple of other test matches that will be occurring. Uh, Korea and um, China will be playing senior... No, sorry, Korea and Chile will be playing. Uh, the, <laughs> the old eye in the end. <laughs> April. Um, and that will be a combined Korean side. Yeah, Chile North and, and Spain on the women's side. Of, uh, senior men's will be playing some test matches as well. That, that's interesting. Spain, I thought, being a member of the... Um, the Pro League. And that that's in Santiago, so that's in, in Chile. So maybe is the Argentinian leg coming up soon, soon Could be after a, yeah, that? Yeah, maybe, or before it. Yeah. Maybe they haven't played for two or three weeks or... Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, there's some, there's some, there's some big gaps in the up. calendar at times, isn't there, for some yeah. of the teams? Oh, look, <laughs> you should check out the Pro League calendar. There's some big gaps there. Until you get to June, uh, when we have, um, let's see... Across four Sundays, 17 yep. games, and across <laughs> the other 23 days in the month before you get to that, uh, the last weekend in that month, the 30th, is the uh, finals. So the last games are on the Sunday previous to that. Um, we, we were talking about it before, and, and the lead-up to some of that, though, is quite sporadic. and uh, Hugely sporadic. And we, we talk about trying to capture those the general sports fan out there that, maybe sit down every Friday night at 8 o'clock in front of the TV or when it, whenever it might be at whatever time zone wherever you are in the world um, but at least to have some sort of, some kind of consistency that oh the hockey's on oh the hockey's on oh the hockey's on and and get into that um, habit of watching it at that certain time but as it is it's all over the place isn't it yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and look I know it's all it's hard to schedule it and there's different priorities for different people with it, but if you want to be serious about engaging the hockey fan, the hockey, sorry, the sports fan, then that they need to have that consistent opportunity to engage. There's several Saturdays and Sundays during the pro league season where there's no hockey on, and I would have thought that this idea of regular home and away would require these dates to be filled with hockey games, and the you know having having five, four or five games on the same day and and having clashes between games I wouldn't have thought was the ideal programming but there's no. a lot of there's a lot that would go into the pro league programming and fixturing that well there's a meeting apparently know. in the states next month the CEOs Is and there? a number of FIH representatives are you uh, organising the travel well I hope we might get over there um, yeah. we're going to be out and about obviously uh, are we going to share where we're talking from now oh you might as well well, well, Singapore at the moment but we're just uh, we're just in the lounge we're just waiting for our connecting flight because um we're going to be off to a Middle East country very shortly. Right. Um, before we do, the Times of India have reported, this is an interesting story in the news, Matt. Hit me. Um, Sports Authority India introduces bizarre media gag on foreign coaches. A bizarre media? Comma, Was that a comma, clown face? faces opposition. <laughs> a form of a media What's a, gag. What does a bizarre media gag yeah. look like? <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah. Look, this story, as I mentioned, comes from the Times of India. In a recent Zed's communication dead, issued to all, in a recent <laughs> communication issued to all foreign coaches and experts, high performance directors, foreign sparring partners, and foreign support personnel, a copy of which is with the Times of India, the 
I'm quoting directly here, so the, the Sports Authority India has decided to incorporate two additional clauses governing the agreement of foreign coaches. One of them's not Santa, is it? No, no. no. Okay, go on, carry on. Over and above the 24 clauses already in existence. So they've already got Santa. Now, one of the controversial clauses reads, and I must stra- uh, stress at this stage, they only report on one of the clauses. God knows what the other clause is. Santa. (laughs) This is serious. In case the foreign coaches appointed with the NSFs, National Sports Federations, Mm -hmm. choose to have interaction with the print electronic media, it will be uh, with the prior permission of the competent authority of the Sports Authority India. Any violation in this regard will result in imposition of penalty in the form of salary cut what? and even termination of the contract in extraordinary cases, resulting in the deportation of the coach and his what? her family members at his her own cost. The direction has been issued by the Teams Division of Sports Authority India with the approval of the SAI Director General. What do you make of that one? Well, that was a tweet from Give Me Hockey, Jimmy Bogle, one of our push-past pundits uh, that came out on the 16th of March, said, there goes our chance to speak to Stuart Marina for <laughs> push-past pundits. Really wanted to talk to him about the progress of Indian women's hockey team. Really happy with what he's done with the team. Sad. Um, so... Jeez, it's very backward, isn't it? Don't you want to sell the story? Don't you want to grow the game? It's just madness. Look, this story does go to quote two foreign experts. Well, they actually call them coaches. One coach said, I work... Sorry, uh, are they unnamed? They're they're unnamed in coaches. Funny funny, funny that. (laughs) I have worked in so many countries as a coach but never came across such a clause. We are no criminals who you will deport. I have not given my consent to the clause and will sit with the authorities to discuss it. Now, it must be said that um, the, the SAI spends heavily on foreign coaches and it feels it has every right to govern their contracts and make amendments to it, but it's the deportation clause that it seems to be... Um, well, have there been some... Causing the most consternation, or well, the salary cut, because you talk to the media. And, and it's talking to... Um, Oh, it's the foreign coaches. But what's pro- it's not what, saying all Indian. All but what's prompted it? What's prompted know? this? Has there been? Have there been some huge scandals? Some people uh, speaking out of turn? Today, or just the fear of it? Maybe they were in the wrong lounge. Now another coach stated, "Let's say during a tournament after the conclusion of a battle round, get if out, the coach was get out, get out of <laughs> if the coach was approached to speak on his or her athlete's performance." Shall we first go to a competent authority for clearance or talk about our awards achievement? That's a good point. So someone's standing there, as they do at these modern sporting events, right on the side of the game. And it's, um, say, Sam Quick. And she goes up to Manpreet. Yep. You know, what, do they have to... Oh, hang on a sec. We've just got to find the competent authority. Hang on, Sam. I'm, I'll, I'll just go and ask. I mean, it's well, no, they've, they've had the media training, the hockey India boys. So, well, they'd speak to them. yeah, yeah. Well, but maybe that's the media training. <laughs> you just walk up to them and just smile, wave, and keep on walking. Yeah, that's but we found we found that at the pro league games here, there were a couple of the girls who were quite happy to just walk straight on through the mix zone, give us a wave, see ya. <laughs> yeah, bye. Oh, you want to actually ask me a question? Oh, God damn it! I'll sit in this seat then. No, they were they were all good. Um, just. 
interesting that that's an imposition. I don't know how that's going to play out if it plays out at all. As uh, apparently, um, foreign coaches have to agree to it. Uh, the <laughs> and what is a competent authority to d- to decide who they? Uh, anyway, it's funny. Well, it's just it's the person in the role above you, John. However, they got that role. Well. You made a good point. There's been a lot of changes. Hang on, sorry. India. Can we just can we just go back and back right. on that? You made a good point. Thank you. Earlier, oh. but when we were talking earlier, I mean, there's been a lot of changes at Hockey India. Who haven't we heard from from a little while? Who? Um, what did I? Yeah, who? since since the batters won, since the World Cup. Who, Doctor Batra? No. <laughs> no. Who have we heard a lot from since the World Cup? Elena? Everywhere across the World Cup. Oh, come on. You can't forget now. Oh, mate, I'm looking at a list of about 30 things the I want to get on this show. Oh, man. Ollie, of Ollie. course. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I reckon he's wielded some influence. Oh, I think uh, that is, He's yeah. done it turtle style. Uh, and I'm not talking about what we were talking about in the World Cup daily. I mean, turtle style. <laughs> he's wound his neck right in and uh, there's no parapet. No, no, they've just sucked it in, haven't they? <laughs> Oh look, it's uh, time we moved on, mate. Mate, we've. we've oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I picked. I picked us up. <laughs> I have picked us up another ride. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going. We're going to um, Bahrain. Just hold on to your hat, mate. Are we? Are we recording the podcast now, though? No, no. We've got to land first. Okay. Just hope he doesn't turn upside down because we'll fall out. You are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. The global touring hockey podcast. It is. Um, it's our feature interview. I'm not sure exactly where we're picking up this interview from because it was an interesting one to record, wasn't it? Uh, well, yeah. It was great. It, it was, was great. Fa- it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah so we set up a, a chat with uh, Jude D'Souza, who's uh, living in Bahrain and has been heavily involved with Bahraini hockey for a number of years, just stepped away from the role, but um, we wanted to chat with Jude about what's going on in Bahrain and the wider Middle East and the, the, the Gulf region. And, um, yeah, but we basically got the introductions done and just said, right, we're going to start recording in a minute. Um, and he said, oh, well, let me tell you a bit about, <laughs> about Bahrain hockey. And then he basically spoke for seven minutes and gave us no reason to ask any other questions. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, I hope you enjoy this interview, and thanks a lot to Jude, too. It was a pleasure talking to him. I think we start with you. And it's feature interview time on The Reverse Stick this week. And, uh, well, we go to sunny climbs, John. We, uh, we're heading to Bahrain, of all places. Did you know about the hockey scene in Bahrain? Not at all. You're just about to find out about it, and we're joined by the former Secretary-General of the Bahrain Hockey Association, Jude D'Souza. Jude, thanks for joining us on the show. Hello, hello from Bahrain. Thank you, thank you very much. That's wonderful to have you on on board. And uh, I guess the, you know we'll start off with t- tell us about the game in Bahrain. Just to give you a bit of history about Bahrain. Bahrain's a small island, obviously in the Middle East, and uh, hockey goes a long way back uh, because of the British uh, and all the oil exploration back in the 30s. So there has been an active uh, hockey scene, I would say, from. Uh, the late 1950s onwards, uh, right up until today. And um, it used to be uh, bigger uh, in Bahrain in terms of uh, uh, participation. And uh, at one point, I think in the late 80s or so, it was 
possibly the biggest uh, hockey scene in the entire Middle East. They, they had full-fledged hockey grounds and they had a full-on league with about 20 plus teams, 11 aside teams, that's what I'm talking about. But then, uh, you know, the because it's driven uh, mostly by expatriates and expats are a floating population, so a lot of the expats left, I think, about mid-90s or so, and then along with them, the whole sport went off, and uh, for about uh, more than 10 years, there was very little hockey going on in the island, and even the hockey pitches were dug up, and there was no place to play in Bahrain. So in, a, in 2009, I mean, we used to still play, though. We used to still play like short format hockey, six side, things like that. Yeah. And then in uh, in 2009, uh, some of uh, uh, a friend of mine actually, who's who's now the, the one of the guys in the association, um, told me, you know, like why don't we try and resurrect the whole thing again? Honestly, I was very reluctant to do it because uh, it's literally building something from scratch. But uh, at that point of time, we got invited uh, as part of an invitational tournament to Doha, and Doha had just uh, just about um, uh, hosted the uh, Asian Games, so they had the AstroTurfs there in uh-huh. Qatar. So <clears throat> they had this tournament where they called some teams because they had the facilities and things like that. And then, honestly, for a bunch of guys who who never play regularly, we did surprisingly well. And then that kind of motivated us to 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 take the whole step forward. And then in in about 2010, we. Um, uh, we decided to group together and, and just get the hockey scene back. So uh, from 2010 right up until say 2016, um, it I mean it was an active association, but it was an unofficial thing, you know. So uh, I was trying everything in my power to uh, to connect with the local, uh, well, with the National Olympic Committee over here, and and we did a lot of events. It's a very active federation, well, at least it was until uh, about a year ago. Uh, and many events and a lot of teams uh, flying down to Bahrain, just again in a sixes format, because we don't have pitches here anymore. But having said that, um, it's quite popular uh, with with the guys outside Bahrain. And uh, I mean, those uh, a lot of activities happened from 2010 to 2018, and that built up, and then we finally got the official recognition from the National Olympic Committee as a full-fledged association. And um, now there there have been efforts, uh, well, as far as I remember when I was there about eight months ago, there were a lot of efforts to try and get things off the ground in terms of getting it registered with the, uh, with the Continental Federation, which is the HF, and, uh, and of course the FIH being a member. And they've tried to make it as easy as possible for us to join. But there's still a big, um, I would say, understanding challenge with the local population, uh, especially with the Arabs and the Bahrainis, and, and trying to understand what hockey is about because it's, a, it's an alien sport in the end to the local population. So uh, I guess efforts are still going on, but it's it's a long, long, long road ahead. Uh, but yeah, I have uh, in my time over there, I had hosted. Uh, Kaya Vikram, uh, guys from the uh, FIH, uh, uh, we've hosted guys like Sam Ward uh, from the uh, from the Great Britain team. Uh, we used to normally do a lot of events and then invite uh, a figurehead from the 
the hockey community. So we would go into schools and, you know, do a lot of uh, outreach programs. Uh, and then the AHF also were, were quite, um, uh, you know, happy to support us. So they would constantly send us, I think they still do, but they, at that point they used to con constantly send us a lot of equipment and we would distribute this to schools and, you know, trying our best, basically. Yeah. So that's where it is. That's where it is right now. It's a highly unorganized. Uh, it's not professional at all. But there's a lot of activity that goes on an amateur level. There's leagues. There's tournaments. There's events. There's um, last year, I think. Uh, yeah, last year, uh, as part of the new, newly constituted Sports Day of Bahrain, there's a, there's a special day now for Bahrain where it's called the Sports Day, and the whole country is basically involved and doing sporting activities. So we got sports day involved, uh, sorry, we got hockey involved in the sports day, so for the first time we actually went into the public domain and, and played uh, indoor hockey for kids, for girls, for boys, for adults, we did tournaments, just to, just to kind of get local people to understand what the sport is about. And we've had uh, a small level of success, I would say, in trying to get on kids. So um, that's the focus, I, I would think, right now, you know, trying to reach out to kids and just getting it ground up, basically. Well, look, Jude, I think you probably um, managed to pre-answer any question that we could have raised at all about what's going on in Bahrain hockey, so thank you <laughs> for joining us on the TRS, and uh, good luck with that. <laughs> now, Jude, I understand that you've been in uh, Bahrain for a number of years, but you're of uh, Indian origin, so what, what makes you go to Bahrain, and how do you get involved in the hockey scene there? Um, to tell you the plain truth, I was born here. So I've spent a great deal of my life here, but I was away for a very long time as well back in India. And uh, I came down to Bahrain in about 2003 or 2004, and um, it's, it's some something like home, I would say. Uh, although we are we are a lost tribe, I think the ones that grew up over here and that spent a great deal of time outside Bahrain as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's home and. Um, I've been involved with the hockey scene ever since 2009. So, Jude, where did you pick up hockey? Was it in Bahrain, or did you start playing in India at all? Uh, it was in Bahrain, because when we were growing up over here, the, it was quite a, a heavy scene of uh, uh, hockey, and every Friday, basically, would be the hockey day, where you know uh, all the teams and their families would just... Uh, a rock up at the hockey pitch and it was a big cookout and there were leagues <laughs> happening and it was basically the whole day of hockey so I guess the passion picked up from there but I mean being Indian myself it's a, it's a cultural thing I would say so it's always been around us especially when we were growing up we had a lot of idols that we looked up at uh, I remember getting bootleg video cassettes of, of, of hockey games from the, from the VHS shop <laughs> And, uh, and trying to emulate my namesake, which was Jude Felix. Uh -huh, um, yeah, and then we, we didn't have hockey sticks that time, so I remember we, I used to try and uh, play hockey with my L-shaped uh, Hoover pipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's innovation. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's part of life. It continues to be part of my life. Uh, my my older son is now in hockey as well, and uh, so it, it's up to us to uh, to carry on this uh, passion and uh, and with the younger kids, and you know. You pick that's how I see it. Do you still pick up a stick now? 
Well, I do. I've been inclined to. Uh, well, I've been uh, I've been asked every week to do that by my team. I play for a team over here. We call the Hungry Hamours, and we are the. Uh, well, without me, they've managed to win a lot of championship um, uh, trophies and things like that. So I honestly try and stay out of it because I don't want to jinx them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there is uh, there is an event uh, happening this Friday, a half day, uh, sixes. Um, they've been egging me to to play, so I'm not too sure. I haven't played in about eight or nine months now, and uh, uh, so uh, I want to. The, uh, the heart says yes, but uh, the body sometimes just refuses. So I will try. <laughs> What what about trying to get the, the the locals involved? I know you're 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 born a local, but how does it go with uh, the Bahrainis themselves? You mentioned a lot of players are, are expats. Do they look on the game with a, a you know in in a sort of a quizzical way? No, they don't uh, honestly. Because well, as far as the new generation is concerned, yeah, probably. But actually, hockey was a big part of uh, local Bahrainis when they grew up in school. But when I say a big part of it, I mean they were exposed to it because I, 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 I remember so many conversations with, with older Bahraini folks who are now maybe about, you know, 60, 65 years old, and they keep telling me like back in the day we used to have hockey as part of our school. So I think it was a, the, there was some exposure to the game, but obviously it didn't go past maybe uh, the junior school grades, um, but. Whenever we we play hockey, or whenever there is hockey happening in a in a um, in a public space, I guess there is not much of um, uh, uh, surprise because when the the locals look at hockey, it, it probably reminds them of their own game, which is football, and it's it's basically you know there's a lot of similarities with with, with the eleven aside format and the way the uh, the game is structured. So. Um, there are a few Bahrainis who do play. Uh, there are a few kids as well who do play. And I think now, uh, well, when, when I was back in the association, we had taken uh, uh, big efforts to try and reach out to schools. And I think now the association is, is still continuing that. And it's really good on them for, for not stopping. Um, but yeah, the, I guess we could do, we could always do more. But then there's a lot of challenges around it, you know, huge challenges on it. I like to hear that you're playing hockey sixes and not playing hockey fives in your tournaments. That's just a, that's just a personal <laughs> preference with things. But um, is there a Bahraini national side that's involved in any of the hockey five tournaments that have been happening? Were they involved in Junior Olympic qualification? No, not really. I mean, the, the whole idea of, of, of developing hockey was to try and uh, um, reach out to the schools and then basically start developing a program where every school would then have a team and then they would create these events around these teams and then eventually go into the public schools. You have to also understand that in Bahrain there's, there's a pub, private school scene and there's a public school scene. Public school scene obviously is it's for Bahraini, it's a local, it's Arabic based uh, education while the private schools are, are mostly English based curriculums or, uh, or, or other curriculums except Arabs. So, uh, the idea was to to generate a lot of uh, uh, interest, I would say, between the kids, and then somehow in ten or fifteen years get a get a proper kids team uh, or, or a junior team going, and then build it from there on. Because there's absolutely no point trying to scout for a senior team because there are no 
senior Bahrainis playing the sport. Yeah. You know, it's literally grassroots uh, development. Now you mentioned before as well about programmed with girls and boys. Is is it? Uh, would you say it's a sport of equality in Bahrain? Um, it is, I guess. I mean, the association themselves. Uh, when I was in, they still do it. Every uh, every weekend they run these uh, training clinics for for kids. Uh, it happens at uh, one of the private schools over here, and they have uh, a, a semi uh, astro which is sand-based, uh, but it's still good enough um, for uh, for short-format hockey. And uh, we try and reach out to as many, well, we tried then, and, and they still do it right now. They, they try to get in kids, and all the parents speak to their friends, and they try and get in more kids. So I think on a weekend, you're looking about 50 or 60 kids who are actively participating in this training clinic. And um, uh, But again, you know, the... The skew on, on expats is higher. There's more expats than uh, than locals in this uh, equation. Jude, uh, tell us about hockey in the Gulf region. Are we, it's not an area we hear a lot of in the in the hockey world. What what sort of relationships do you have with other nations near you to, for playing internationally? Um, well, when I was back in the association, uh, I used to constantly reach out to uh, the. There are groups around the Middle East. So, for example, the the most successful uh, Gulf Arab uh, hockey scene would be in Oman, where they actually have a, a full integration of uh, local Omanis in the program. They have an Oman national squad, junior squad, senior squad. You probably would have seen them in some of the yeah. uh, yeah. FIH tournaments. Yeah, well. Bangladesh. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Oman is considered to be the most developed. And then you, Qatar used to have something until they broke down all the pitches. So now again, they they went from 11 aside to short format. But it's not very active, I would say. I don't hear a lot coming out from Qatar. Uh, Dubai seems to be active. They run a couple of tournaments every year between different groups. Uh, and it's all team-based or club-based tournaments. So you have teams flying down. Uh, the team that I play for currently also goes for these tournaments. So there is a great relationship with, with the hockey community because in the end it's not a very big community. You know, it's, it's quite small and everyone's uh, inviting the other team to come for the other events and things like that. So surprisingly, I mean, I know you guys are uh, in Australia right now and you would never think that something like hockey would happen in it. But it's quite active throughout the year. I was stoked to find out that there were sand-based Astros there. I mean, what else would they be based on? <laughs> <laughs> Oil-based. And I also, I also think there's possibly an opportunity there as well. You're saying you've got these sort of the 60-year-olds out there that uh, remember the game and remember the game from school. That's a perfect market for walking hockey. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when it rains, the, the, the sand-based stuff then suddenly becomes the water-based stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's the way forward for the FIH. They're uh, looking at low-water pitches. Yep. Well, I think globally, um, in, uh, because of the high cost of, of getting these grounds together, there's a big focus on trying to develop multi-purpose pitches, which can be shared among sports like football, rugby, hockey, any of the, the grass or lawn day sports. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and tennis as well. So, I would say in Bahrain that, you know, as well as uh, in other parts of the, the Gulf Arab uh, area, except Oman, 
they have they play on unbelievable surprising surfaces sometimes so there's one really uh, famous hockey tournament that happens in Dubai it happens at an ice rink can you believe it <laughs> what uh, but yeah but they put uh, uh, um an astro carpet on the ice rink <laughs> and they play on it cool. and uh, it's weird you know you play on uh, on turf and you're freezing you know <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's great yeah it's improvisation i mean in the end you you don't have pitches so over here just to give you give you and an all the listeners an idea of what happened in bahrain yeah we do have one um, uh, acceptable pitch i would say uh, on uh, sand base astro but then again you have um, uh, rubberized uh, concrete handball pitches which is again very popular in bahrain and right. it's perfect for six aside um you also have um, well sometimes uh, when you know when everyone has this thing of okay let's uh, let's try and get a 11 aside game going then we end up in a place like the rugby club where they have these uh, the 4G astro pitches yeah okay. it's a little tough i would say it's like playing back in the old school days on grass but it still pile. gives you the feel yeah deeper pile yeah and it gives you the feeling of uh, of okay 11 aside it, it's not alien not not yet <laughs> you know because everyone's so used to playing short format hockey but i don't think it's possible for many players to adjust to 11 aside hockey even when they do have the chance Jude, would you say that that the um, infrastructure is probably the biggest thing holding back growth in that area? Yeah, that's the biggest thing: infrastructure and funding. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, it's absolutely zero funding for it. Uh, every uh, when I was back in the association, every single um, uh, penny that uh, was required to run an event or a tournament would come from external sponsors. uh but even going into external sponsors is such a challenging thing because they don't understand hockey you know but well for me it, it, there was kind of a, a marketing spin on it because my professional background is from communications and from the world of sponsorships and and advertising and and comms and things like that so we would we would try and glamorize events uh, through my connections with the guys from red bull for example you know with these flashy yeah. kind of brands and then create create an online chatter and, and social buzz and then people would know about things like that so uh, we would try and do that just to get people's attention but uh, coming back to the the realities of it the, there there absolutely are no pitches no facilities available uh, there have been a lot of conversations though about trying and get something going but then for that you need money and then you need you need uh, governmental funding for this yeah it's just not possible yeah. uh, to to try and approach big corporations to try and help you fund when there it's not an active hockey zone you know so i mean uh, i've had countless conversations with um hockey companies hockey manufacturers all willing to support that's great i mean it's great to have all that support but what's the point of having support if you don't have a, a full fledged pitch or training facilities you know and the cost of upkeep also is quite high so It's not, it's not just the cost of building it, but it's also the cost of maintaining it. Well, the message from the FIH is hashtag grow the game. Um, from what you're saying to me at the moment, it doesn't sound as though the opportunities are necessarily there to grow the game. What, apart from getting a turf laid down, uh, what else can be done there to um, maintain the presence of hockey in Bahrain and some of your neighbouring countries? 
Well, honestly, for me, the biggest opportunity that I've, I've seen from before, and I see it still today, it's very relevant, is indoor hockey. Because it's a, it's a hot country, generally speaking. They have, uh, it's, it's a desert country. And then almost all the playing facilities from the local clubs have indoor facilities. They have indoor basketball courts, indoor handball courts, indoor football courts. Uh, so, you know, this is a great way or a fantastic opportunity to develop indoor hockey. And indoor hockey is, is a recognized format. It's a short format, which fits, it checks all the boxes for, for places like Bahrain because uh, a, you don't have the um, space or a facility for a national job. We do play short format hockey. Uh, it's relatively easier to mobilize an indoor game, I would say, than a, an, an outdoor game. So there are things which check the boxes for Bahrain. But again, you know, the, the challenge over here is that most of the indoor spaces are a, either owned by private um, private sport companies or sport management companies, or they're owned by the national clubs. So if you want to get into the private sport companies, there's the question of funding again, because they're not, they definitely are not uh, cost effective to rent out. It's quite expensive, because they're good facilities. And if you want to go into the public, uh, or the national clubs, uh, sport clubs, again, there's a, now there's a cultural block, you know, because they need to understand the sport. But we've had some headway, I would say, into some of the clubs, and we've done some things over there. There is one uh, one of the sports clubs that have allowed the, the community to play and, and give them uh, opportunities to book at reasonable prices. So at least it's a step forward, you know, in the right direction. Yeah, well, we've seen the success of indoor hockey in Iran, haven't we? And I think that would be something that you try to emulate. Absolutely. I mean, Iran is a great example of... Uh, of having uh, virtually zero outdoor hockey, and they are one of the best, I think, in, or if not the best in Asia, uh, indoor hockey. So uh, it it definitely presents a great opportunity. But again, you know, you have to. Everyone needs to be on the same page for this to happen, and every the whole community needs to get together. They have to be in sync with the with the NOC. The NOC needs to be in sync with the federation, and the federation then obviously needs to be in sync with the content federation and together you move a plan so it's just not possible individually or just by a group of people to uh, just uh, turn away from hockey for a, a little bit and to give our viewers a bit of uh, our viewers, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> thank god they're not looking at us I'll tell you. Uh, our, our listeners uh, get to know you a little bit more you're also the co-founder of the Bahrain Jazz Festival uh, jazz Is that just because a saxophone looks a bit like a hockey stick as well? Um, well, now that I think about it <laughs> 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 But no, I come, I come from a sporting and a musical background and uh, So I, one of the reasons why I stepped away from the association Was I started up my company about two, two and a half years ago uh, Which is called Clockwork And uh, we are uh, an activations agency with a big focus on music and then together with my two other co-founders, we, we thought of the Bahrain Jazz Fest um, uh, about two years ago. And now it's the national festival, the music festival for Bahrain. So it's an international music festival, basically, an open air on the grass. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I, I, yeah. I, I might know a band that would be keen to play there. <laughs> Just <come laughs> <on>. <laughs> 
sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On. We're, we're already booked for 2019, so maybe next year. Very diplomatic. Well done. Oh, we might have won our Grammy by then. Um, <laughs> oh, and by the way, the uh, the rock song with the best bass line, "Sympathy for the Devil." Just thought I'd slow that in there. <laughs> That's in relation to Jude's Facebook post that John's looking at at the moment. <laughs> it is. There wondering. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, Jude. Um, well, thank you for giving us some insight into what's going on in the um, the world of hockey there in the Middle East, and we wish you all the best with the uh, the Jazz Festival, whether it be Pleasure. linked to the hockey or not, and uh, and good luck to getting out there. And like I said, walking hockey, you know, even for old blokes like you, that could be the answer. Yeah, well, I'm not so old. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the, well the, beauty, the beauty of walking hockey doesn't have to be for the aged. It's just for those that perhaps can't be quite as mobile as the rest of us. Or the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> like you're mobile, my friend. <laughs> no, it's been great to talk to you guys. I mean, in, in the end, I, I guess, um, you know, you guys, for example, come from a country that's known for uh, well for hockey, high standards of hockey. So... It's, it's a nice opportunity for people to look at the Middle East as well and know that, you know, despite all the challenges and all the the the, uh, the blocks and obstacles that are there, there, there's still the passion. And I think hockey's always been like that. It's a very social sport. It's a very passionate, uh, uh, um, passionate sport. So there are people in Bahrain, in UAE, and now even in Saudi Arabia, in, in Oman, they're just trying to get together and and just play hockey, you know. Uh, they have the best of intentions, but they definitely need to be heard out. And I think, uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak with you guys today, because the world needs to hear the story. And um, you guys have been so popular in your podcast, so I hope that it reaches a few years. Uh, yeah, we, well, we do as well. I just, I just think it's something that you know. We, you mentioned the expats before. It's important when people have got to be retrenched somewhere around the world. If they're a hockey lover, and that's the only people who, let's be frank, who are listening to this, or apart from one fella, but um, <laughs> it's it, when you're making a decision on where to move somewhere. If you love your sport and you love your hockey, you're going to want to find out if you can get a game somewhere. If so, if nothing else, this has been a, a wonderful public service announcement. <laughs> for uh, jobs yeah. in Dubai, Amman, and Bahrain. True. I mean, in the end, uh, also, you know, in, in the world that we live in, uh, communication is so important. So when I was back in the association, where I took a strong step towards trying to develop a social uh, a program, a social media program for for hockey and uh, for Bahrain hockey, and it, it went a really long way because... Uh, Fortunately, due to my professional background, it was it was possible for me to mobilize social online resources. And uh, at, I think at one point of time, I think in 2015 or something like that, when uh, when Tai Bikram came down, he they actually recognized officially uh, and presented it with a with a small memento of our social media efforts and and trying to speak about the game uh, and and trying to develop content around it. So. That's also a really important, um, uh, I think, facet of communication nowadays. It's not just about playing the sport. Uh, just a small thing to let you know. Uh, you know, this could be interesting for people who are listening to or trying to run their own programs. When I, I was in uh, Malaysia, I think about a year and a half ago, for the FIH uh, National uh, Federation Development Program. It was a first-of-its-kind program where they got in um, representatives from different part, different federations from around Asia, Africa. There was one from 
Portugal as well in Europe. And, you know, a big part of this program was about communication and how you market the, the sport. So you have they have to keep on talking about the, the, the various things that they do, keep people updated on things that's going on, and you're right. So if a place that's dominated by expats uh, in this part of the world, and if they are a hockey lover and they would want to know if hockey exists in the place that they're going to work, uh, in the job that they're going to work in for. So if if you maintain or if anybody maintains a constant uh, social media presence, it's only going to help yeah. and, and, and nothing else. And, and my hat's off to you guys as well for, in terms of the podcast. No, I, th- I think it's, 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 a, it's a great lesson for clubs everywhere, Jude, it, uh, and clubs, national associations, whatever. You, you've got to do that work and let people know who you are and, and sort of get, get your voice heard. Yeah, I agree. I Fantastic. Agree. Well, Jude, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, like we said, it's just <coughs> w- wonderful to hear about hockey in your mm. part of the world. And, uh, you know, give it 15 years, we'll have you back on the show and you can tell <laughs> us all about the international team success. <laughs> great. I hope that happens one day. <laughs> Cheers, Jude. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Now, you, you definitely need to keep your jacket on because it's going to be pretty bloody cold where we're going. Oh, really? If there's mountains and snow and all that sort of stuff there. A lake? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, maybe. And you are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global touring podcast and thank you so much to Jude D'Souza joining us from Bahrain uh, we've gone from warm climbs to slightly colder climbs and here we are John at the home of hockey Lausanne Switzerland it's fantastic to be here and great to hear from Jude too some uh hey, wouldn't be a bad place to go would it for a tournament imagine just you know it's a pity they haven't got the infrastructure that's that's obviously the killer for them that's it you know yeah 4G pitches and yeah, no no sort of permanent homes, but it's great that there's still a, a soul of hockey that yeah that, that's there and, and the game's still being played. But they probably need a bit of help. Hey, look, and, and the golf's in a funny place because it's it's not really one continent or another or it's its own little separate region. Yeah. So um, sand, you know. yeah, sand-based Astros. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Absolutely now, perfect. what are we doing in Lausanne? Uh, we're in um, Lausanne because there's been an FIH executive board meeting. <laughs> like, well, you know, as as we're recording this little bit now, yesterday. Um, God knows where it's going to fit into the whole mix of the podcast when that goes out. Uh, you know, follow the timeline with us, please. Um, yeah, and what was lovely thing that you know piqued my interest most and warmed my heart the most, John, from the exec board meeting over the weekend was that Thomas Bark was in town and he finally got to get his hands on the FIH President's Award for everything that he's done for hockey. Oh, look, it was fantastic. It's not for everything he's about to do for hockey, but it's everything that he's done for hockey. Well, it's it's interesting because you could argue that um, Thomas uh, was there just in time to to put his imprint upon a meeting that was about to demolish an Olympic qualifying tournament. Did you not see the 15-minute video before the Congress? No. No, it was definitely an imprint. Oh, was it? Yeah, well, half the <laughs> attendees were sleeping 10 minutes in. <laughs> um, but whatever. We've, we've taken the mickey out of that before. No reason to... But he's very happy with gender equality in hockey. It's nice to get his say-so um, on things. He's a very important oh, man yes. in the world of sport. I mean... We're obviously well, in favour. If fa- he doesn't like it, he won't do well, it. That's it. Hockey- Ask the Japanese yeah, Hockey Federation. Hockey's in favour. Um, yeah. 
and if he's prepared to get a photograph taken with you, then you're in the in crowd, mate. Yeah, get, Very important. Well, un- unless you get cropped out of the photo. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, there's an uh, issue. But that only happens to women, so don't worry about I that. Well, only a week after we- International Women's Day. Oh. It's fine. Okay. How soon we forget. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, what did they decide at the meeting, Matt? Well, you've got Where the piece of paper. To? You've got the piece I of have. paper there. We've got this some of, the, some of the, the headline bits and pieces. What they well, didn't decide. This is what the FIH has told everybody. This is the official FIH we're Media telling release. you. Yeah, yeah. But what they didn't mention was the Pakistan decision, and obviously Shabazz was going to plead the case of Pakistan uh, for some leniency on suspensions and fines. Uh, I was in touch. Oh, not his place on the board. I was in touch with uh, someone in Pakistan last night, and apparently that's all going in front of the disciplinary, disciplinary committee. Uh, so further news to Full come on there. that. Okay, the first. Yes, what happened? A, this was the first meeting of the year, 15th and 16th of March, at the uh, IHF or FIH headquarters in Lausanne. Uh, the FIH executive board, chaired by Dr. Narinda Dhruvbatra, reasserted the absolute necessity of establishing a rolling four-year international competition calendar. Do you mate, I'm going to stop uh, you now. Uh, I'm going to stop you now. Here is our problem. Last week we spoke about 23 metres, 25 yards. Yeah. We, we speak about shuffles, shuttles, shootouts, blah, blah, blah. The very second line on what you've read there, the International Hockey Federation, the IHF, in brackets, F-I-H. <laughs> That's it. It just says it all about our game, our understanding of our game, the translations of our game. It's just there. We're called the F-I-H. Oh, yeah, you know, the International Hockey Federation. Well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That's not an acronym. So we should call it the uh, Federation Internationale Hockey? Oh, well, that's, that's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, apparently. Okay, look, let's get, uh, get let's get back to the reasserted the absolute necessity. This is what they met, and the, okay, sorry that they reasserted oh, the absolute right. necessity of establishing a rolling four-year international competition calendar that balances opportunity for all nations to participate, uh-huh. athlete welfare, and this is a line I love: commercial realities of international travel. <laughs> well, do an island get a oh. get a deal with Turkish Airlines because they're the only the only international hockey team that have done. Well, I'm just laughing at that mainly because oh, you know, maybe you'd need that if you're running an international <laughs> league competition. Might not be a bad idea to get an airline mm. partner on board. The recent review of the international into sorry, I'll repeat that. The recent review into the international calendar, together with revisions to the current world ranking system, resulted in a series of recommendations which were approved, including increasing the importance of continental championships and events, discontinuing the FIH series events after 2019, what? <laughs> allowing national associations to focus on participation in continental qualifiers and championships, reviewing the World Cup qualification system with more weight given to continental championship performance and developing an individual match-based world ranking system with the aim of moving away from the current tournament-based system so that all international matches are meaningful with world ranking points at stake. The new match-based ranking system has been developed using the results of all international matches over the last three years and will be run and further improved in the background during 2019 with a target of a go live, not FOH live date of January 2020 Um, alright, okay, so no more tournaments um, apart from the Olympics 
the World Cup. Look, hang on, hang on. No, no, no more, no more tournaments. I've got to go back on what you just, what you just read. No, hockey. I've just, mate. I've just had 500 bloody hockey series finals T-shirts printed up. Did you? Well, they might be worth a bit now. No, they might be. They might a rarity. Be. What do you mean? Well, so we're getting hockey series open and finals for one season? Well, I don't so know. hockey world league? No, we don't like that idea. Let's go to the hockey series finals idea because this is going to be a much simpler um, process to qualify for. The- oh no, 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 no! We don't like that anymore. Oh, I just find it staggering that they don't mention anything in there about Olympic qualification events. Continuing considering that that's what the FIH series events are. Yeah. Essentially, it's an Olympic qualifier. Okay, so all on the day that. Tom gets his, his award. They announce that they're discontinuing an Olympic qualification event and uh, no mention of anything to do with Olympics at all. Hmm. Well, maybe hockey won't be in the Olympics, mate. Well, I've long, sta- <laughs> I've long stated that the Tokyo Olympics will be the last 11-a-side Olympic. I'm, I'm talking years. Go back to the early days of not the footy show. And so it would be no surprise if... I just cannot see why the, why would you have bothered with the maybe that's, the FIH maybe, series maybe that's to why start some, with. some some of the uh, the women of hockey uh, were cut from that photograph. It's the, that whole Olympic thing of trying to reduce the numbers. But what brings into question is what then is the role of the pro league? Is the pro league going to be a standalone thing? How will this work in with the new world ranking systems and and you know, concentrating on continental championships and events. Well, what sort? I mean, this—they're just telling us they're going to do this. They're not throwing up any details about. We're thinking about this world ranking system. Where guess, is the I real get, consultation mate, with this? I never see any real consultation. Throw an eye. Do what the bloody AFL does here. Leak it to the media that got this idea. Get people to run around screaming about it and get some real feedback other than just foisting stuff onto us. No, but it's, it's also what we see is some great ideas that come out. Here's this plan. This is what's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. And but there's not even no, no, plans. No, 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 but no, no, no. Precisely. It's a lot of headline stuff yeah. that in two years' time, when you go back and scrutinise it, you go, oh, well, that didn't really happen, and that didn't happen. Oh, and that was a bit vague, so somebody could claim that, that maybe that did happen. I don't know if they've got a bloody clue with half of it, mate. I really don't. Well, you know, ma- meaningful matches with world ranking points at stake. Are, are we, we going to see the same level of... Uh... Oh, it's going to look lovely on a PowerPoint. It just looks lovely on a PowerPoint, but what does it look like in reality? And and are they they actually going to, you know, these individual match-based world ranking system, does that mean you'll still be playing at tournaments, but you'll be, instead of being ranked, getting points based on... No, there won't be any tournaments. Tor- no, 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 tournament. no, no, it doesn't say that. What the, a what, continental... Ch- yeah, yeah. yeah, no, but moving away from current tournament-based systems, so you'll still play a tournament. But what they'll do is they'll take their ranking point system from the individual matches within that tournament. But so, but so, do we see uh, the Asian Championships become a home and away thing, like Pro League? Potentially, maybe. I mean, we'll, we don't know. Do so, we? in in that sense of soccer, um, where you've got the 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 various confederations, uh, leagues and tournaments that. The mini leagues that lead into the tournaments. I'd I'd just like some more information about what sort of things they're considering, because I uh, do you know anybody that's been consulted about any of these changes? 
all of this stuff athlete, seems athlete to be committee. athlete, but it all seems very secret squirrels. I don't know that they actually consult hockey fans very often to find out what hockey fans think, and we're the one the ones that are consuming your product. Fair? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I can't argue with you. With now, you on, it. on the subject of facilities, um, they also received an update on progress that has been made in order to launch dry artificial turf pitches by 2024, um, which was announced at the FIH con- Congress in December. Um, well, nothing about hockey live. Um, <coughs> also launched. <coughs> what? No, no. Also, they noted hockey's continuing excellent record on anti-doping with an increase of over 50% in athlete tests in 2019 compared to last year so they've done half as many tests again Brilliant, Um, great, good stuff Knock on the door at 6 o'clock in the morning (laughs) Yeah, Uh, A report about the FIH Pro League highlighted the successful launch in first two months of the new global FIH competition, certainly the hockey's been fantastic, and how all parameters, Mm. in particular athlete welfare, (laughs) are being thoroughly (laughs) analysed in order to finalise the 2020 match schedule So they're saying it's going to go ahead. So, in what format the pro league is going to go ahead, and who's getting invited, and how you get invited, and well, no, it's set, isn't it? Because it's it's a, it's a four-year term, apart from India coming into the fold in the men's in well, 2021. I wouldn't mind better that happens in 2020. Uh, well, what, well, which harkens back to the, the demise of the FIH series, what happened, and blah blah. Developing individual match bank ranking systems. What is straight? <laughs> what did you say? Developing individual match-based world ranking systems. Yeah, good. You know, is that going to be? Is the FIH uh, allotting those fixtures so everybody gets thrown around about everybody else and no, gets equal points it, for no, equal games, it, or no, is it going no, to be no, no. Australia playing the Netherlands yeah. every second week? Yeah. Is it, you know, and just yeah, wait and see with that. Uh, the, oh look, but but people have been crying out for a change in the world rankings. Whether you like it or we not, have. there's one coming. But I think this should have been a far greater discussion. And the global development of hockey being the Sorry, number one mission of the do you, want, do you want a phone call? No. Do you, do you want a phone well, call so you're asked? Who should be asked? How do we ask people? How well, do we, how we, no, no, what we do is you, you, you've got a social media platforms. You've, you've got people that are talking about hockey like us, but not necessarily us, but, uh, you know, Hockey World News and the Hockey Paper and there's others in other non-English speaking countries as well that are spreading the word on hockey that can get it out there. And through Clubland, send every, every national association send out a questionnaire. We ran a poll on uh, social media yeah. in the week, yeah, on uh, Twitter and Facebook, enjoying the latest round of FIH Hockey Pro League, Spain versus Germany. But again, hear a solitary voice on comms. Is this the future of Pro League broadcast? What do hockey fans want? Here we go, inclusive. Yep. Get the ideas. Uh, three options: commentator plus pundit, commentator only, no commentary. Four percent no commentary, eleven percent commentator only, and eighty-five percent commentator and a pundit. Uh, and it was similar on Facebook as well. No, not huge numbers, but it's a snap poll, uh, a straw poll, and just gives an indication. Uh, now, whether there's financial restrictions on that, that's another thing. But if that is the case, be honest. Tell us about it. Um, let's yeah. have some transparency. We should. Oh. Hang on a sec. I'm I'm just getting a message through my uh, my earphone here. What's that? Matt, I'm I'm just getting a message. There's uh, an important important piece of news breaking. Hang on, hang on a sec. Let me see if I I, I can pick this up. I I believe uh, Charlie Brome's got some got some news for oh, us. Oh right, okay. 
We have got more breaking hockey news for you later on in the programme from the world governing body. There's a helicopter in Switzerland ready to take off and make its way here to London. Uh, we are talking about a global tournament with new teams, television coverage across the world. Oh, mate, that, you know that can only mean one thing. Well, we're going to have to hit your ride, aren't we? Well, TRS World 11, you'd think. Must be. Are we going to keep recording while we're flying, or should we, we stop and then go again when we reach London? Uh, we just got to hit the hot zone and uh, disembark, and we'll be right at it. This is the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. We're in London, Matt. Oh, it's Back a... home. Well, not really, but kind of. Yeah, kind of. You, know, you must feel good. Ago. Not really. Good Mate, you still didn't ask about my injury. And... Uh, sitting in that bloody oh dear cramped seat on the chopper didn't really suit too oh, much look, but, you, you, uh, your legs are uncovered uh, too uh, would you like me to bring you a blankie no no I, I got to, the injury's gone alright though a bloke pushed me pushed me in the chest with a finger in the right spot at the weekend and said and went, keep, Oi, do, you. keep doing that <laughs> keep doing that when we got to London yeah. keep, keep keep doing that and you'll be right um, yeah here we are um, in slightly dull rainy Leicester Square. Why um, are we here? Well, we're here for our latest TRS World 11 interview, of course, aren't we? And it's TRS World 11 time once again, and it's an absolute honour to introduce our very latest inductee. It's Hannah Bilson. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Um, now, uh, the first thing I always have to start off with, uh, Hannah, is the nickname. And you didn't give us a nickname, so we've given you a nickname, <laughs> which is HB. I hope you don't mind. No, that's fine. It's actually a nickname that I had uh, way back in um, primary school when I was young because of my initials. So uh, perfectly happy with that one. So pencil's just fine. Sorry, I said HB, but pencil is, is of course, the, uh, the, the, the nickname. Um, so let's, let's get things started off. Tell us about your hockey history. When did you first pick up a stick and uh, yeah, how did you get into the game? Sure. Well, uh, for me, it actually goes back to the London 2012 Olympics. Um, at school, I'd been playing netball and at university. Um, I did rowing, uh, but I was looking for a really good team sport, which had a good social side to it. Uh, went to the London 2012 Olympics, saw uh, the ladies GB players um, play a game, and I was like, actually, this looks quite good fun. Um, and so after the London 2012 Olympics, went to my local hockey club, and that, the rest is history, as they say. And that's when I first properly picked up a hockey stick and started playing. So I came to hockey fairly late in life, I would say. Was there any exposure at school? Did you did you ever ever pick up a stick before? Not really. Just um, sort of when I was young in primary school, they had like the plastic hockey sticks yeah, and the yeah. really big balls. And on occasion, in a PE lesson. Uh, we'd, we'd play it then, and then um, at secondary school, on the odd occasion, but not properly, we we were more netball, uh, much to my disgust. But there we go. <laughs> so, so coming to a sport for new, new coming to hockey, new. What what was that? What was that first season like? What you know? Did you obviously you you had to go and buy a stick, or was there a stick provided for you? You turned up. Was there <laughs> basic training? How how did you get into it then? No. Um, so yes, I had to go out and buy my first stick not knowing anything about hockey sticks the most important thing for me was the colour of the stick <laughs> so uh, when I found a bright pink kookaburra I was like yep that'll do me just fine 
Um, and that first season was just getting to grips with both the rules um, and just generally how to play. But that first season, I had a really great coach. There were a few of us who were pretty new because I think London 2012 generally did great um, work for loads of sports. And particularly because the club I play for also plays in the Olympic Park. Um, so there is kind of like that, that Olympic legacy going on. So I by no means was I the only one who turned up at the start of that hockey season. I think they had quite an influx both that year and the year after. And then obviously a few years later with Rio, with the GB ladies winning gold, I think again it really prompted quite a few people to pick up hockey sticks again if they hadn't played in years or even just pick up the sport from scratch. Yeah, I always think it's a it's a brave move to just go and try a, a brand new sport. And it's uh, you know good good on you for doing that. Have you found that there's many of those guys? You said there's a few of you new to the club at that time. Are they still involved? You obviously are. Are, are others still involved from getting that inspiration? Yeah, certainly. I mean, even one of the one of my closest friends in my team, she she rocked up at the same time as I did. I mean, inevitably, across the club, um, because it's a club in London, most people are in their 20s and 30s, so often people have to move away with work and things. But yes, certainly there are people who sort of joined at the same time as I did, being fairly new to hockey or hadn't played in years, and um, are still very much playing now and enjoying it. Fantastic. Now, you mentioned the club, and you play at the Olympic Park. The club is Wapping Hockey Club. What can you tell us about Wapping? So Wapping is a pretty large club. We're growing in size. So I think at the moment we have 11 men's teams and eight women's teams. For London, it's reasonably big. But then those teams cover a whole uh, cross-section of abilities. Our ladies' ones and our men's ones are pretty good teams. Um, And then as you go lower down the club, then it becomes more about being social and having a good laugh on a Saturday. So you're playing for the 6-11, that's right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And, and how's your season going so far? <laughs> um, uh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, let's just say there were a few administrative errors that may have seen us docked some points. <laughs> so we should have been sitting, I think, fifth or sixth in the table uh, because we've only got one one game left, and we're currently sitting bottom. So it's a case of we must win our game next weekend to try and avoid being relegated, which is a shame because had these administrative errors not occurred, then we would be comfortably mid-table. Now, we love sticking it to the administrators. Come on, spill the beans. (laughs) Uh, uh, I I think there may have been um, players put down on teams that... Uh, maybe weren't registered and things. So, yeah. Shock. Not great. Horror. But... Oh, my yes. goodness. Now, well, when you applied originally, uh, did you apply or did somebody else apply on your behalf? Oh, to, to be in the World 11? Yeah. Is this? Um, someone else actually applied on my behalf. Right. The uh, editor of Hockey World News. Oh, he obviously spotted some talent then. Absolutely. Well, he did. He he did coach me a few years ago, so clearly he's seen me on a hockey pitch on many occasions. Yeah. And thought, yeah, that girl is going places. <laughs> well, when you did apply, you said that you'd, uh, as a, a powerful, hard-working midfielder, you've only got three goals to your name. Have you improved on that tally since uh, since writing? <laughs> yes, I have. In fact, I scored yesterday. 
Um, so I tend to get a couple of goals a season. I'm not a complete goal machine, but that's usually because I'm running myself completely ragged all over the pitch instead. Yes, uh, I'm just reading your most embarrassing moment, top of the D, prime opportunity to score your fourth goal, beating three defenders on a rampaging run, teed up nicely to fire the ball into the top of the net, start in the backswing, pick your spot, focus, 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 and boom, a big air swing and a free hit defence. Is that a common occurrence? Um, A few years ago, yes. I've managed to work on my being able to hit the ball properly. Um, but certainly I used to, whenever I, get, I used to get in the D, the pressure used to get to me and that's when a, a fumble would happen. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Now, tell us about some of the characters at the club at Wapping. Who, who are the girls in your team that are always falling over or falling over drunk at the end of the day? <laughs> <laughs> um, so some of the girls in my team, they're a great laugh. We've developed some really good friendships. A number of hockey Hindus and hockey weddings that I've been to by now, I've lost count. Um, so within the hockey team, we have quite a strong Irish contingent. So, of course, it being Paddy's day today, they were out hitting it hard pretty last night. Um, a couple of them, if, if they don't rock up hungover on a Saturday, then it's a bit disappointing. And to be honest, they tend to play their best hockey uh, whilst a little bit sozzled. We also have quite a strong Kiwi and Aussie contingent as well. Do you know the um, names? Oh, yeah. Um, so we've got a strong Irish contingent, so Emma, Karen, Sinead. Then we've got the Kiwis, so we've got um, Crystal, who's a midfielder like me. Then we've got Sarah and Winky up front. Sarah's actually the team's top goal scorer this season, so she's um, having an awesome time. Um, and then there, there's obviously a couple of us English girls as well. So Lauren is another girl in midfield, and she works so hard. She's a super strong player. Um, and she just usually is a bit like a battering ram. I think her husband-to-be likened her to uh, one of the England rugby players in our last <laughs> game for the way that she was just managing to smash it all the way throughout the pitch, regardless of whether there was a player in the way. So, yeah, she's great. Great laugh. Fantastic. A real international flavour to the team. Absolutely. And uh, what about club rooms and that sort of thing? What's the setup? You're playing at the Olympic Park. Do you use a pub? Is there anywhere that you you call home uh, as uh, yeah club rooms? Yeah, so we we play in Wapping, um, and then we also play over in the Olympic Park. So within Wapping, there's uh, a pub nearby called the Moortown Bell, which is often rammed on a Saturday with all the hockey teams descending upon them, and particularly at the moment with all the rugby going on, it's a sports bar as well. So it gets really busy, but that's also where we tend to have some of our club socials as well, um, which is a great place to actually, given the size of the club, just chat to other people in other teams as well. Yeah, and then do they put the tees on? Yeah. Um, so, well, if we're in the Olympic Park, then we have team tees just at the venue, which, um, let's just say, aren't the best. It tends to be a, sa- a, a sandwich and a packet of crisps. <laughs> Whereas if it's been pouring with rain or hailing, uh, you sometimes need something a bit warmer. But yeah, back over in Wapping at the Moortown Bell, we tend to get a pretty good teaser. Right, give, us, give us some examples. Um, chili we've had, um, jacket potatoes, lasagna, that kind of thing. So pretty good stodge, which is what you need after you've just been turning around a hockey pitch. Yeah, or just before you, you um, go into the evening celebrations. So. <laughs> yeah, although eating's cheating, but there we go. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, now, Hannah, just uh, before we let you go, 
Uh, we always like to know how our inductees felt when they got the news of being part of the TRS World 11. Was it a life-changing moment for you? Absolutely, and complete surprise as well, given that I didn't even realise that <laughs> <laughs> I'd been uh, nominated to, uh, to, be, to be involved. Um, so, yeah, a great surprise. Just finally, any, anything you want to let us know about Jade? Any, any beans that you want to spill? Anything embarrassing you can share to, to our listeners? Uh, anything embarrassing? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, ironically, I mean, Jade's a pretty good umpire, but um, he's quite well known, particularly when we're playing mixed hockey. But if anyone's about to get a card on the pitch, it will probably be, be Jade. Uh, although he will strongly and vehemently deny that, but that's the truth. And I wonder he keeps getting in these bumps and scrapes. I heard he won a title anyway yesterday. The the uh, uh, the boys are on he their way did. up. Exactly, champions. So uh, he did very well, um, and I'm sh- I think the guys are really appreciative of his uh, getting them into shape this season. Yeah, well, so I'd, they did really well. It's got to be a bit a bit awkward at home, though. You know, him going up and you sitting at the Was bottom it? of the ladder. I wish you every <laughs> success in the in the big game next weekend, and hope you get the win and uh, and stay in your rightful place. Yeah, well, exactly. We've got to um, prove the club that uh, the team was strong enough anyway. So yes, fingers crossed. Great stuff. Thanks for your time today, Hannah. Great. Thank you. Well, that was great to catch up with Pencil from the TRS World 11, eh, John? Oh, fantastic. It's uh, a burgeoning team. A burgeoning team. If only they could uh, get their paperwork in order. Uh, Much like how we managed to get back on this flight. Where are we off to now? Oh, we were supposed to be heading to Sydney, but um, it's after 11pm, so I think we have to go to Adelaide. Oh, my God. Adelaide? You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. So we have landed back in our home country. A um, couple of legs to go. But, well, we were um, supposed to be going to Sydney to get the transfer over to Perth to get us back here, and we've somehow because the the um, the fog or the no the, the rain in Sydney has stopped us landing there, and there's an eleven o'clock curfew, and so here we are in sunny Adelaide. I, I believe we've got at least one more leg before we get home. But why are we in Adelaide? Well, because we've just got diverted here, John. But it's a very good segue for the reason that I was just ch- chatting to somebody at the uh, at the desk there, uh, and they're a big hockey fan. They spotted our TRS uh, branded shirts and said, "Oh, I listen to you, blokes." Um, it wouldn't be Glenn by any chance. No, no, no. He's he's this side of the country, down south. Is uh, he? uh, but he's he's the one that pointed this out to us. Oh, that's right. He did actually, Glenn. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? He no, must be in South Australia then. But he might, no, but the bloke I just spoke to at the desk. This, Keeping up the pretense is really hard here, John. Um, there was an announcement from Hockey South Australia. It was a letter, uh, an open letter to the South Australian hockey community from CEO Peter Churek. Hey, Pete. With um, regard to the upcoming, not AHL, Australian Hockey League, because we know the Australian Hockey League is dead. There is only Hockey One which is going to be this new franchise-based... Don't forget Hockey 2 and Hockey 3. We want to bring back the bully, mate. That'll be there, mate. Um, Yeah, uh, the new city-based franchises, uh, yeah, franchise being a a loose term, but but owned by by the states. Uh, And in this announcement announcement from Hockey South Australia, they said that the Northern Hockey NT, the Northern Territory, uh, would not be entering into an agreement to put in a combined team between the two states. They're out of it. 
their top players will go into a draft anyway. The guys that are playing for the Kookaburras and they'll end up playing for cities other than than Darwin, regardless. Um, but interestingly, South Australia has said, "Look, if you want to want us to have an interest in this competition, still, and I'm not sure be, whether this is because of the pullout from the NT or not. Uh, but if you want us to have an interest, then we need to raise a hundred thousand dollars starting today and quickly mm. to be part of the new." Hockey Australia national city slash state based competition. So give us some money. Yeah, so give us some money, please, because if we don't get the money, we South Australia won't be part of the the new program. It it must be said, people I think overseas have a view that Australian hockey is um, this wonderful, vast, vibrant sport across the whole nation, whereas it, it it's you a know, bloody big nation. South Australia faces some of the same problems that WA does as far as... Um, yeah, population. Population remote, and remoteness. Remote, yeah. But, um, you know, it great, is probably... Great, the sea, least, great seafood and sunshine, though. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's some bloody good hockey players that come out of the South Australia. It's probably the weak, one of the weaker of the states. Well, Mickey, Mickey Spano made a debut for the Hockey Roos last weekend. She did. I mean, yeah. so... And it's not a derogatory way. Grant Schubert, there's Grant another one. Schubert, yeah, of course. Um, so there's two great players have come out of South Australia. No, there's a, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> Top, WA's Tom Wickham. Yeah, but, but it's not the case that hockey is this vastly popular sport in our country and that all of our state associations struggle a lot to try and mobilise the hockey community. Yeah, it's it's minority. Yeah, and, and interest outside of the hockey community, let alone interest with inside the hockey community. <laughs> so they're in a hard place, hockey South Australia. It would be they should be there. Uh, would would they have been able to compete if it was a good old fashioned AHL or state championship yeah, like we used to have? Of course, of course. It's you it's know, a it's, a, it's we... a week away or whatever the it's two or three weekends away, mm. extended weekends as, as it's sort of chopped and changed over the years. Um, but once again, John, it's uh, a state. No, not meaning to say state, state. We're, we're in a state uh, exactly like we get a lot of the FIH competitions. There's a lot of grand planning at the very top end of things. And, oh, shit, we've got no money to do oh, this. Oh, detail. <laughs> How do we now action this? Oh, and it's it's lots of firefighting and just, yeah, that lack of attention to detail with the planning um, and a realisation or realism towards what the the genuine financial cost is going to be and this kind of it seems to be a lackadaisical ap- attitude that we can always fall back on the membership uh, there's there, that membership the grassroots is always there to underpin it now it's only an extra three Here's bucks per person another you. ten bucks per person yeah. that's it like, you know if we get ten bucks off everybody this ten bucks isn't much is it um, and it's not the right attitude to have no, not to grow things. No. Definitely not to grow things. Hey, we've got um, another flight. Hold on. We're, we're are we getting a connection? Oh, well, I'm not sure. I, I don't think we are, actually. Oh. Bed oh, oh. Bed, hey, who's that? What's going on? Hello? Uh, This is our podcast. Get off the 
Oh, you're listening to the Global Hockey Podcast. We flew around the globe just then. We're back in Adelaide again. That was um, that was a bit hairy, John. Um, people are asking, how are you going to afford to fly around the world? Because I put it out on social media. How are you going to afford to fly around the world? And I said, well, the Patreon campaign is going <laughs> so so well at the moment that uh, this is you know we've just we've got to spend it. If we don't spend it, we're going to lose it. It's, it's, First it's budgetary. Class champagne. It's, no, we're, we're not quite there. But uh, if you do want to support our Patreon campaign patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick please do get online you can contribute as little as five dollars a month for supporting all of our hockey podcast projects that we're getting involved with at the moment we'd love your help and thank you to all of our generous patrons who are already involved and you're getting extra snippets of uh, audio content and uh, exclusive private posts that's not not as it sounds, John. No. Uh, not as bad as it sounds, anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, lots of exclusive content on there for our Patreon subscribers. Please help us out on that. We're also on all sorts of social media things, John. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at the reverse stick. Get on board, follow, like, retweet, repost, and do your bit to spread the word for the Global Hockey Podcast. Well, I think that's about all we've got for this. No, it's not, mate. Uh, Also follow Reese Smith. Some great stuff happening there on his videos. Um, Hockey 24-7, podcast number three is out. Fumalema Mbambe is on there. Uh, That's all right. We can play for next week. week She loves the podcast. Of course she does. Uh, Sabine Hans, Hockey Kids Books. Now yep. available as ebooks on iTunes and in various places. Check out Sabine online. Have a kid so you can buy one. Uh, yes. Uh, the Hockey Paper. Monday is the deadline for print subscriptions on that. Uh, get hockey on, Paper. Uh, onto the Hockey Paper, yeah. Back in print again. Buy a paper. We've Papers done, are good. We've done a couple of retweets uh, on Twitter for. Buy a Hockey so, Paper. They're even do, better. Yeah, do that for appeals for a couple of sick girls from the hockey family. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you can help out in any way, please do that. Check uh, out Lewis Little Legs on Twitter. Do that. Uh, scored EHL Fantasy League. It's coming up, John. I'm hopefully. Is it? Yeah, well, I've signed, I, do, I have I've, seen all the posts about. I've it. signed up for it. Uh, we're 25 days or so away from EHL. Lots to be excited uh, yeah. about. With and I that. Wish, wish the whole fantasy league stuff uh, some real, real success. Um, at this stage. I don't think I'll be signing up. I have some um, testicular removal what? threats hanging over me if I don't sort of mellow out a little bit on the hockey. Ah, <laughs> so right. Okay, so you don't I, want to be involved. No, I do want to be involved. Just for the time being, I've probably got probably got to get a few other things under no, my belt first. I think I think you realise that um, I own those anyway after the last competition. Uh, there is that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to five meters, please, on Instagram. Nobody does a workout that quickly. Uh, the Wolfpack, thank you, oh, yes. to the Canadian guys, uh, for retweeting girls. last week's show. Guys and girls. Yep. Uh, from last week's show um, with Craig Sieben's interview included on there. Hopefully, and everybody else that retweets anything we post. Of course, hopefully, a few of you that might have listened in last week have hung around and sort of. Uh, Got the latest show. Uh, yeah, Wolfpack, what else we got, John? What motivates you? Hey? What motiva- motivates you? Should we do that next week? <sighs> what motivates me? I'm talking about volunteers in hockey. I've put that out on the social. Oh, okay. Let's hang that over until next week. I think that would be a good idea. Because you'll have more results by next week. Yeah, congr- yes. We, uh, we've done but pretty well. Here. We've got some great responses. So, yeah, yeah. F- check out Twitter and Facebook. And uh, we've, we've got a little question up there about what made, motivates you to be involved to volunteer in hockey and uh, do the things you do do to make our 
game survive and run smoothly. Listen to Tony Parley. Do that. Uh, Pakistan hockey, just quickly. There's a great article from Ijaz Chowdhury <laughs> on Dawn. Uh, have a little look at that. Um, he's uh, there's a bit of pro he's league, pro, well, pro league fluff for the, about the first five or six uh, paragraphs, and as you get down towards the bottom of the article, uh, you get a bit of a sense of some of the deeper issues involved with Pakistan yeah, hockey. I don't think he's missing much. Uh, no, no, he certainly isn't. Uh, what else we got? What else we got, John? A couple of last. Well, we've got to things. catch our ride. I got us a special ride home. We're going to get to sit in the pointy end. Are we? Yeah. Just all right. Very quickly before we do that. Uh, well done to Thirsk Hockey Club, represented in the UK, represented on Danny Baker's sausage sandwich game at the weekend. They beat a rugby league side. Um, bit of debate with Paul Das online on uh, red sauce or brown sauce, no sauce at all. Of course, everybody knows, John, it's red sauce with a bacon sandwich. It's brown sauce with a sausage sandwich. Uh, anything else, you're absolutely insane. Uh, and that includes uh, Lou Pepper, who responded to us on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you're not right if you like uh, red sauce with your sausage sandwich. And that's tomato sauce for you. That's it, mate. Time Is it? to go. Yeah. We're in the cockpit. Isn't this great? Oh look at this! But what does this button do? Don't press that! Don't don't, don't press that. that! Oh, I told you. Oh. Drop your beer, did you? Oh no, beer's fine, mate. No, no problem with that.